the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, August the 27th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today, on August 27, 1776, the Battle of Long Island began during the Revolutionary War. British troops attacked American forces who ended up being forced to retreat two days later. Yeah, they lost the battle, but remember, they won the war. Today, in 1859, Edwin L. Drake, he drilled the first successful oil well in the United States. Where, might you ask, was that oil well? You would think maybe Oklahoma, down in the oil country. No, it was in Titusville, Pennsylvania, today in 1859. Today, in 1964, President Lyndon Bain Johnson accepted his party's nomination for a term in his own right, telling the Democratic National Convention in Atlantic City, New Jersey, he said, quote, let us join together in giving every American the fullest life which he can hope for. Could I repeat that? The president of the United States is promising his political party and the nation, let us join together in giving every American the fullest life which he can hope for. You know, maybe it's just me, but I would hope that whether it's Lyndon Johnson or Joe Biden, they would stay out of my life. It isn't the plan for America that the president would give us the best life that we could hope for. The Constitution and the Declaration of Independence was really about giving us the opportunity to pursue the best life we could hope for. We don't want them to give it to us. We have done that. Lyndon Baines Johnson followed through with the great society, and he created a a culture of dependence, which is bondage in America. Well, I'll tell you, it isn't a political matter. It's a spiritual and moral matter to believe in Republican values and Judeo-Christian values. Today in 2005, coastal residents by the thousands jammed freeways and gas stations They were all rushing to get out of the way of Hurricane Katrina. It was headed toward New Orleans. We know that did not end well. Today in 2008, Barack Obama was nominated for president by the Democratic National Convention in Denver. Remember, he did that big um, acceptance thing in the stadium there, kind of like Trump has done consistently, and he's continuing to do. Five years ago today, Donald Trump warned of a war on the American farmer. He told a crowd in Iowa that rival Hillary Clinton wanted to shut down family farms and implement anti-agriculture policies. Well, he was right. She did. One year ago today, on this day, speaking on the White House South Lawn, President Donald Trump accepted his party's renomination, and he told the crowd and the country and the world, he said, Joe Biden is a hapless career politician who would endanger America's safety. And Trump went on to paint a grim 
portrait of violence in American cities that are run by Democrats. Was he right? Actually, he was right. Rasmussen has put out a poll last night. They have found that as of last night, one year ago, from Trump's comments, almost to the day, they have found a majority of voters don't trust either President Joe Biden's administration or the news media that reports on Joe Biden and his administration. They don't believe, the American people, a majority, do not believe anything that they hear, mostly, about Afghanistan, and most think it's way worse than we're being told. This came out, as I said, last night. It finds that only 34% of likely U.S. voters trust what Joe Biden and the Biden administration officials are saying about the current situation in Afghanistan. 54% said they don't trust anything the administration officials are saying. 11% of America, of likely voters, are confused. They don't know what they think. Gallup has come to the rescue. They put out a big deal uh, today. It's a podcast. They're talking about the, the future of American power. And I thought that's an interesting uh, topic because obviously it's a uh, it's an attempt to try to fix Afghanistan in the minds of the American people. They, I'm sure they saw this poll or they knew it was coming that show such a large majority, 54%, don't even trust our administration, our president and his people. And 11% are confused. So they, Gallup came out with this podcast yesterday and, and it was titled The Future of American Power. This George Friedman, he's pretty well known in, in financial circles and political circles. He's trying to explain on it. I won't put you through it. It's, I don't know, 15 minutes long or anything, but I'll just sum it up in a couple of sentences. He's trying to explain how this saga, this saga of Afghanistan, has played out over several presidencies. The, the intent of this Gallup podcast is to spread the blame because they don't want the blame directed at President Joe Biden. That's what it's about. That's my evaluation of it. And I listened to the whole thing. So that's what it's about. And that's what they're trying to do. They are a little more sophisticated in the way they're doing it. But the local news stations all across America are doing the same thing. They're playing down the tragedy. They're trying every opportunity they get. They're trying to include Trump in this. And there is, I mean, he had made the decision to pull out of Afghanistan. There's no question about that. But that isn't the question. On the, for the most part, the question is the how and the why of our pulling out. And it has been a disaster. I'll tell you, I mean, it's just sad. And again, I, I said this before, but I, having been in the ministry, a pastor, and youth pastor and all that, so many years, I mean, all of my adult life, there's an empathy in my heart for Joe Biden. I mean, I, I can't believe we elected him. And I can't believe he's stumbling forward, but I feel sorry for him. I really do. He tried to sound tough when he came out and talked yesterday, came out, did a live thing. They rarely let him do that anymore. But he came out, he tried to sound tough to the terrorists. They killed thir at least 13 of our soldiers, Marines, and so on. But, you know, he didn't sound tough, not even 
to those of us who are Americans, much less the rest of the world, who only understand power. They don't. They do not compute humility. I mean, they just don't. I've spent, as you know, a lot of time with them in the third world countries all around this globe in ministry. And I'll tell you, they don't, I mean, humility is a virtue and Jesus taught it and we must be humble of spirit. But when we come across politically as what we would see as humble, they see as weakness and they never, ever have a different view of that. Even the Christians tend and they understand the Bible and they understand they're taught humility as a virtue and what the Lord said about humility. And I mean, we need to be humble of spirit. If not, God will not bless us. But I will tell you the rest of the world, and this is from firsthand personal experience. They have a hard time understanding humility. But what we saw yesterday as our president stood in front of the nation and the world, and believe me, the world is watching. It was not humility. It was it, it was simply weakness. He tried to sound tough when he said, and I'm quoting the president, we will not forgive. We will not forget. We will hunt you down and make you pay. As he read from the teleprompter and paused. After his speech, he took a few questions. He called on a list of pre-approved reporters. He said, I've been told to ask uh, let's see, who who have I been told to ask for? I mean, he need, that doesn't help him. It just makes him look weaker. I know he's trying to blame somebody else. He doesn't want the criticism of picking the people that are avid supporters of him. NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, all those guys. We all know who they are. But he took these questions. But ultimately, he called on, on, the, on Ducey, who's uh, with Fox News. And Ducey is... is I don't know what his personal beliefs are, but he sure looks like he leans conservative. And before Biden would take his question, President Biden, he said, he described Ducey as, he said, he's the most interesting guy in the press. Well, he meant he's the guy that disagrees with him or asks him real questions. Well, anyway, Ducey asked him a question. He said, uh, if he would take responsibility for the deaths of the, it was 12 American troops then, it's more now, but at that moment yesterday, that's what they knew, and this chaotic and deadly exit from Afghanistan. Biden said he did take responsibility, but pointedly noted to Ducey that it was former President Donald Trump who made the withdrawal deal with the Taliban, that now he has to keep it, but he did not do all the run-up to the deal, and he was not um, in any way held to Trump's deal, how many deals that Trump made has he undone? I mean, dozens of them, purposefully, from day one in the office. So this this whole thing, and, and American people, you know, you and I are not the only ones that get this. I mean, people across the country are getting it. And um, so Biden got tried to muster a little leadership, and he said, uh, he said, I'm asking you a question, he said to Ducey. No, no, no. Wait a minute. I'm asking you a question. Is that accurate? Then he clutched his leather folder. If this was television, I'd put it up on the screen. I have it put up on the screen. Uh, But I I can't paint the picture if you haven't seen it adequately. But he held up this leather folder that had his remarks and notes in it, which is is fine. I mean, that's good. But he bowed down in front frustration, almost in a fetal position, 
with his hands over the microphone and his face buried on top of both of his hands, and he just stood there. He was the profile of defeat. And again, he's a broken man. He does not need to be in an office with this kind of responsibility. I mean, forget what political party he's from. This is America, and we're in trouble, big trouble. And he slogs forward. I mean, I know he it's his life dream to be president, but man, somebody somewhere has got to put America above all this, you know, career stuff. But I don't know if they will. I mean, I don't know what the future is, but I will tell you this is a failing president in the sense that he's failing not only in his policies, but in his ability to even function. I've seen a lot of people, I, I'm not a psychologist, but I, man, as a pastor, I've, you know, I've talked to so many people and we've counseled and so on over the years, as you can imagine. And this is a, a broken man and he needs help. He doesn't need more pressure. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I can tell you it can't continue like this, I don't think. Even the press now is trying to get quiet. They're trying to support him, and they're looking for things to say and ways to do it. It just isn't working for them. He said, I take full responsibility for this withdrawal, but it's President Trump's fault. (laughs) I mean, that was what he said. And um, I don't know. He paused, and then he announced that he would be leaving the room, and he paused again, and he said, I'm going to, and then there was a long pause. Uh, I'm quoting him. I'm going to, long pause. I have another meeting for real. Well, I'll tell you. Well, the Chinese officials, they're all over this. They announced on Tuesday and then again yesterday, three different officials from the Chinese Communist Party announced that any proposed wanton sanctions, that's what they called them, wanton sanctions against the Taliban, which is a jihadist terrorist organization by the United States, any wanton sanctions by the United States in the aftermath of the group's takeover of Afghanistan will be addressed strongly from the Communist Chinese Party. The warning came as the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund, IMF, among other international institutions, are starting to freeze funding to Afghanistan in light of the Taliban's return to power. They're expressing both human rights concerns and confusion. That's what's politically correct. That's why they're saying that. They don't really care about that. I mean, they don't. Their actions prove that. But what they're doing is they're expressing both of concern for these rights, but they are also saying that there's confusion in the country. Well, could, oh, really? <laughs> Clearly. But they said they don't know who is serving as head of the state of the country. The Taliban leadership hasn't appointed a head of state, they say, or announced the installation of any individuals as actual leaders of the country at the time they were saying that. And that was yesterday afternoon. And I'm not aware that any of those announcements have been made. So as the world money system is coalescing around the idea that this is not a good thing in Afghanistan and they're freezing assets... China is telling the United States, because they see the weakness, they're telling the United States, not just one guy, but I mean, there's been, I've I've read at least four officials, at least four, from the Chinese, communist Chinese government, that are saying, directing their comments at the United States, saying, you better not put sanctions on Afghanistan, on the Taliban. 
because we're recognizing them as a legitimate government. That's where we are today, and that's not good. It's not good at all. How we got here is, at the moment, is that President Biden has apparently chosen to trust the Taliban more than he trusts the military. And yesterday during that speech, and I I don't want to get into this, I'd like to talk about it because it's important, because so many of us have family members or we have served in the military or have family members that have. I mean, we love our military. Yeah, there's some bad people in there once in a while. I mean, obviously, but our military is 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 honorable and terrific. The greatest military on the face of the earth. And what this administration is doing is undermining that. And. All of these decisions, the decision on which airport to, you know, use in this thing, the, the Kabul or, or the Bagram, and the Bagram was closed, and the guy that's running the Bagram airport there for the United States didn't even know it till two hours after it was officially closed here back last month. All of this stuff is happening. In the speech yesterday, President Biden was throwing these guys under the bus and saying, well, I took their advice, and I chose to go with the Kabul airport because everybody's saying now they should have gone with the with the Bagram airport because it has two runways and the, the one in Kabul only has one and all this kind of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of conversation about that. But it shows a, a, just a fundamental lack of grip on reality. And I think that's what the psalmist was speaking to in Psalm 20 when he wrote, The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob, defend thee. And verse 2 says, send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. And as we read on, and I'll come back to this in a few moments if we have time, we will rejoice, verse 5, in thy salvation and in the name of our God we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. And know that that I, that know I, that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. This is a testimony to the care and the oversight of God himself in the lives of people who honor him. And then verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. That's where we are today. This president is trusting in chariots and horses. I love horses. And chariots are really interesting. But this is not the time to trust in man. And that's the message. Trust in God. And we're not. We've departed from God. And in case I don't have time to get into this today, I want to suggest that this is a time when we need to, as the world is going to hell in a handbasket, and it is, and it is a lot of the responsibilities falling at the feet of our leadership in America. I mean, there's no question about that. I will tell you, this may be a time when God is asking us, while we are informed as as to what's going on in our world, a time to look inward as well, a time of soul searching. President Biden is assuring the world that whatever may come, all American troops will be out of Afghanistan by its deadline of August 31st. And everybody in the country, a majority of people in the country are saying, no, no, they won't. We know that. We know that. His military people are saying, no, they won't. There's no way. I mean, it's just not going to happen. They may report that it's happened, but it will not have been true. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, he said on Wednesday, 
He said he estimates there are less than 1,500 American citizens left in Afghanistan. The Daily Caller, which is very reputable in their reporting and very careful, they came out hours later and said, no, that's not right. According to all sources on the ground, there are at least 8,000 Americans remaining in Afghanistan. That's just within the last 48 hours. Four times the number suggested by our president and his State Department. That number matters. The State Department said this week they don't actually keep track of the number of Americans in the country at any given time. I am not overstating anything I'm saying right now. This is all verbatim things that the Biden administration has said within the last three three days. Bottom line, Afghanistan is a complete meltdown. It's chaos. Our own military are now losing their lives. A number of Americans and Afghan allies seem certain to be abandoned on August 31st. And President Biden continues to put his trust in the Taliban. Yesterday, we learned that a number of those Afghans who were killed by suicide bombers were standing in sewage knee to waist deep. And we saw the pictures of it waiting in line to get into the airport for evacuation, as promised by the United States. Originally, Biden said he wanted to get all the troops out of Afghanistan by the 20th anniversary of 9-11. There was such pushback, even from his own people. They said that will appear that to be grandstanding. Well, it would appear that because that's what it was. So he backed away from that. So after this criticism for using the anniversary for personal political grandstanding and giving Islamic terrorists propaganda victory, he decided to accelerate the timeline to August 31st. That's where this date came from. He set the timeline, but now he claims the Taliban won't allow him to change it. And then he blames Trump because he's submitting to the Taliban. When he explained that the Taliban was promising safe passage to the airport for Americans and Afghans who worked in the United States, he was questioned as to why he would trust the terrorist group. Here's what he said. The Taliban is going through sort of an existential crisis while reassuring the press they would keep their word. That's the response to our intimate relationship with the Taliban. Senator Marco Rubio, he went off on this. He said yesterday, Joe Biden's legacy as president will forever be disgraced after leaving Americans in Afghanistan. Why would he trust the Taliban rather than the U.S. military? Nobody seems to know. The president has a history of doing things like this, but it's gotten so much worse. He said this week, he said, history will deem our withdrawal efforts as, I'm quoting him, logical and rational. Boy, that should strike fear in every freedom-loving person on this planet. That's putting a lot of faith in a barbaric Islamic totalitarian regime that has a history of cooperating with terrorists that murder Americans. All the reports coming out of that area now are saying, and yesterday even were saying, that ISIS suicide bombers are the ones that carried those bombs, or ISIS-K or whatever. They're the the local version of the ISIS organization. It's like McDonald's of Bellevue or whatever. But they carried the bombs into the crowds, causing the death and the injury. As of last night, 13 U.S. soldiers are dead. 90 other people are dead. And 1,540 are wounded by the suicide bombers. And that was when we went to bed last night. Yesterday, we learned that the Biden administration actually gave the Taliban lists of U.S. names to protect. 
They asked him about that yesterday, uh, President Biden. And he goes, yeah. And then he kind of explained why they did it. He looked like, man, I wish you wouldn't have asked that question. I don't know that they were trying to hurt Americans. They just simply are not connected. And he said, yeah, they did give them those lists because he said we wanted to identify these people so the Taliban could help them. That's like whispering in the fox's ear, here's the hen house, and we're going to unlock the door, and we want you to really keep a close eye on these chickens while we're away. That's insane. But it's where we are. Star Parker wrote a, she's a black woman, very articulate. She, she wrote an article this week that really caught my attention. She said it's time for national soul-searching. The article reminds us that after the attacks of our nation on 7-11-2001, President George W. Bush took the airways to address the American people. And he read from Psalm 23, and he did. I remember this very well. I think many of you do as well. He said, even though I walk through the valley of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. She also noted, though, at the time that Pat Robertson and Jerry Falwell Sr., not Jr., but Sr., the late Jerry Falwell Sr., They picked up on that theme of good and evil, reward and punishment, and they suggested that we we must look inside our nation as well as outside. We must check ourselves. Maybe it's a spiritual problem as part of this bigger problem. I remember that very well, too, because I knew Jerry Sr. very well. I had met Pat Robertson several times, so I paid attention to what they were saying. Pat sometimes says things I don't agree with, but nonetheless... Who, who agrees with everybody all the time. We shouldn't except the Lord. But I remember it well. Pat Robertson issued a press release that was picked up by the New York Times and other papers. He said, in a country rampant, rampant with materialism, internet pornography, and lack of prayer, God Almighty is lifting his protection from us. Falwell made some different kind but similar statements. Well, the pushback was swift, very strong, not from the left, but from some in the evangelical community. Even President Bush disavowed what they had said. The Bush White House issued a statement saying the president believes that terrorists are responsible for these acts. He does not share those views and believes those remarks are inappropriate. But I'm not suggesting, I'm not a doom guy. I mean, there are people out there that saying it's over, we're all going to go to hell, America and all that. I believe God has a plan for America. I believe that God hears the prayers of his people. And I believe that it's time to pray. And yeah, Star Parker's probably right. It's time to look inward as well. She reminds her readers that the pilots who flew those planes transforming commercial airliners into lethal weapons were trained in our country. And she notes that while that was taking place, the president of the United States, Bill Clinton, was preoccupied committing adultery in the Oval Office. Today we find our country withdrawing from Afghanistan in despair, shame, and in the eyes of many, disgrace. George Washington said of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. He said more, but that's the point. We're living at a time now when we have got to come to grips with the idea that we are different than all of the other nations, and yet there is a fundamental principle that applies to all. And that is that if a nation or a person forgets God and turns away from God, tyrants are forging his chains or their chains in the case collectively of a country. That's where we are today. We've got to get real with our faith. We've got to stand. We've got to be engaged. 
and we got to be informed and we need to be prayerful. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you for your support. We need it. Have a great weekend. I'll see you right here on Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.